Let us prepare our hearts. Creator Spirit, who hovered over the waters its creation's birth, who descended in the form of a dove at Jesus' baptism, who was poured out <clears throat> another under the signs of fire and wind at Pentecost, come to us, open our hearts and minds, so that we may hear the word of life and be renewed by your power. For you live and reign with the Father and the Son, now and forever. Amen. <clears throat> the first scripture reading is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Listen for God's word. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And the second reading comes from Acts. Verse 2, chapter 2, verse 32 to 47. This Jesus God raised up, and that we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself said, the Lord said to, to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstools. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for creation, for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen.
God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Today we'll be remembering our baptism in a service of reaffirmation of baptismal vows after the sermon. Our baptism is an outward sign and a seal of the radical grace that God has given us. Baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit spurred the early church into joyful teaching, fellowship, generosity, and prayer. This is the foundation of everything that follows in Acts and in the life of the early church. I'm one of those people for whom GPS devices in cars and on cell phones has been a life changer. I am not known for my great sense of direction. Now, in my own defense, part of the problem is that I grew up in Kansas, where all of the roads are straight and flat and go in a grid. It's nearly impossible to get very lost there. I mean, not that I never got lost there, but you're always able to realign yourself pretty easily if you take a wrong turn. Navigating around here is a whole different animal, though. There are all these hills and these rivers and these tunnels and bridges in the way. But with my GPS on, I find myself willing to drive, run, walk, bike, take the bus, all sorts of places. I never would have gone by myself before because I would surely get hopelessly lost if I tried it. I know that even if I take a wrong turn, my GPS will simply say recalculating, 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 and it will fix my mistake, showing me how to turn back onto the right course. I went about a half mile off course the other day during a run, but I never panicked like I might have years ago because I knew how to fix the problem pretty quickly and get back on course. Sometimes people refer to the Bible as a roadmap or a GPS to help you get on the right road again. But I'm not sure that I am a real fan of that particular analogy. Maybe on a day-to-day basis, it is good to have scripture to sort of keep you in line and, and bump you back into place. But as far as our lives go on a grander scale, I think that that analogy is not dramatic enough. It's too tame. It's too timid. It's more like we're hurtling downhill on a sled toward a cliff. There is no just turning that thing around. Once you're going down, you're going down, and the only way to stop sliding down that hill at breakneck speed towards certain doom is to hit something or someone. You have to hope that someone will jump out in front of you to stop the sled. And yes, that's going to hurt. Hurt. That's going to hurt you, and it's going to hurt the person jumping out in front of you to stop your sled. It might even break the sled, depending on the situation, but it will keep you from going over that edge. You see, Jesus doesn't just gently tell us to turn around. He's not our GPS saying politely, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. We're not just on the wrong road. We can't just turn around and correct the mistake on our own. We are hurtling down the hill towards certain death. 
when Jesus steps out in front of us. Now, this rescued life, this baptized life, as we're calling it today, is that hard stop before falling off the cliff. And you know how uncomfortable that option is if you've ever hit something while you're sledding downhill. The baptized life is not painless. It is not comfortable, and especially at first, which is why I think many people insist on steering right around it and going off the cliff anyway. Yes, we're headed toward a drop-off, but maybe we'll manage to turn off at the last minute, or it won't be as bad as it looks. Maybe it's a smaller cliff than it first appears. So we take our chances with the cliff rather than the sudden and difficult stop that will happen if we steer toward Jesus. It is not easy to devote ourselves to scripture and worship and fellowship and prayer in the way that the early Christians did. We can wind up looking like real weirdos in the eyes of the people around us who are sleeping in or having brunch right now. But the early Christians weren't just interested in teaching and fellowship and worship and prayer. They weren't just kind of into it. They were devoted. They weren't just spiritual but not religious. They weren't just into one or two aspects of the church. They dove all the way in. When faced with deciding between a church event or another event in the community, they went to church. When someone asked them for prayer, they prayed for them. Every time they met together, they broke bread. They didn't just get together for a quick communion and then leave, either. They were there, lingering, eating, celebrating together. And that is not how most churches operate today, in my experience. And I know I keep saying to you all that the church today has to be different than the church of the past, but this is about values, about why we do it, not what we're doing. Our shell might change, but our values cannot. We can't diminish the importance of being together as a community. And that's hard. That means sometimes we have to say no to things outside of the church that take away our time and our resources for participation in things in the church. Sometimes that means we have to get up early or stay up late or turn off our favorite TV show to spend time reading and learning about scripture. But when you look at what the early Christians were giving up, wanting to sleep in or go out or watch TV are kind of lame excuses in comparison. The Jewish Christians were shunned by their religious community and their families because they were following this wacky Messiah guy, and they didn't fit into the culture as a whole because they weren't Greek or Roman either. And the non-Jewish Christians were shunned by the outside world for getting involved in the new fringe religion that had sprung up out of Judaism, and they were shunned by the Jews, including many Jewish Christians, because they weren't Jewish. Baptism into the Christian faith, for them, meant giving up everything that previously mattered to them. And yet, people respond to the gospel even knowing that they would be giving everything up, they act. Peter tells them very clearly what they have to do. 
First, reform your lives. Stop living the old way and act like God's people. Second, be baptized. Third, know that you are forgiven. Stop living in the guilt and the shame of sin. Because sin still controls you if you are living in that guilt and that shame. And finally, receive the Holy Spirit. The apostles have already received the Holy Spirit, but not all of the people in the crowd have yet. So Peter, one of the ones who is full of the Holy Spirit already, calls out these things that will move barriers from the spread of the gospel and the growth of the Christian church. These things that would stand in the way of the spread of the church. The insistence on living in old, unhealthy patterns and systems. Failure to recognize the importance of baptism. The presence of guilt and shame. And the ignorance or avoidance of the Holy Spirit. And we see those same things standing in the way of the church today. I know church folk who pick and bicker and gossip no less than people who are sleeping in on Sunday morning. We can be just as prideful and greedy as the rest of the world, worrying about who has the best choir or the nicest looking building. Churches are more racially segregated today than any other organization around. We love the patterns of the world, and peer pressure is a real pain to shake. We forget so easily the meaning of our baptism. We forget about the radical grace that it seals in us and the incredible sacrifice that came with God offering it to us. We forget about how it joins us to one another and to God in a way that nothing else can. We live in the shadow of what we've done and what other people will think. We refuse to let the Holy Spirit shake things up. Or perhaps we just don't think the Holy Spirit is even bothering anymore. If we let any one of these callings that Peter gives fall to the side, the whole church suffers. But then look at what happens when the people do what Peter says. After their baptism in the Spirit and in water, the church met Everywhere they could. They met in homes. They met in temples. They met inside and outside. They couldn't get enough of studying, worshiping, and praying together. They weren't obligated to share everything with one another. They were so moved with love for one another, though, that they just did it. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The church was unified. It was magnified, and it multiplied. Having followed Peter's instructions to repent, be baptized, receive forgiveness, and receive the Holy Spirit, they went out into the world to serve out from Matthew, that passage that we call the Great Commission. The gospel hasn't changed, my friends. God's calling on us as a church has not changed God is still as powerful as God was 2,000 years ago. And so today we reaffirm that through remembering our baptism. This is the foundation of everything that we do as a church. Our book of order, the book that tells us what the rules and guidelines are in our denomination, says this. 
about baptism. Baptism is the sign and seal of incorporation into Christ. In baptism, we participate in Jesus' death and resurrection. In baptism, we die to what separates us from God and are raised to newness of life in Christ. Baptism points us back to the grace of God expressed in Jesus Christ, who died for us and was raised for us. And baptism points us forward to that same Christ who will fulfill God's purpose in God's promised future. Baptism is the foundation of our future, my dear ones. Now, we don't rebaptize in our tradition when people feel that they need to recommit or restart their faith commitment. Baptism is God's work, and when God's work, God works, the work is done. But it's important for us to reaffirm our own commitment to honoring what it is that God does in baptism. Without that refresher or renewal, our faith can grow stale and we can forget about this key part of our journey. So all who are baptized in any Christian faith that baptizes in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit are totally and always baptized and are welcome today in this participation in the reaffirmation of baptismal vows. If you have never been baptized ever at all, just listen carefully during this reaffirmation and soak in what you're seeing and hearing in the celebration. And if you want to make those vows publicly for the first time and experience God's grace in the waters of baptism, let me know after church and we will make that happen. As we celebrate this reaffirmation of baptismal vows today, I want you to think very seriously about what these affirmations and vows mean. Think about them in light of our scriptures today, the command to go out and to preach the gospel to all nations, the command to repent, to be baptized, to receive forgiveness, to receive the Holy Spirit. Today we turn away from the things that are standing in our way. We recommit ourselves as individuals and as a community to the promised future of God and to our part in that future. And then when we depart today, we do so celebrating our baptism like the early church did, by remembering it and by honoring it, by devoting ourselves to teaching to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Amen.